City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm James Plyatt for allhornets.com, and this week joining me on the All Hornets Podcast Network on this episode of The Stinger is Brett Siegel of The Fast Break. And Brett is actually the first guest we've had from a fellow Fan Nation site, which is part of the SI Network. So, Brett, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it, James. NBA offseason is always a very busy time, and finally we got a little bit of downtime in the month of August with everybody on vacation and looking ahead to training camp. So it's never uh, never a dull period in the NBA, that's for sure, and it's always a good time to preview the upcoming 2022-23 season. Absolutely it is. And, I mean, you are across everything NBA-wise over at the fast breaks. So you just want to just kind of tell listeners a little bit about the website and it's kind of – it's it's air in the market in terms of NBA media coverage. Yeah, so fast break on Fan Nation covers pretty much anything that you would need to know, spanning from this past draft to next draft, from who tweeted what to all the latest intel, breaking news, and rumors that you need to know around the NBA. We got you covered at Fast Break on Fan Nation. It's literally anything that an NBA fan would want to know. Absolutely. So if you're looking for a go-to place for like good catch-all NBA coverage, I would absolutely suggest the fast break. Um, so make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out Brett on Twitter. It's at Brett Siegel NBA. Um, and today we're going to be talking about Donovan Mitchell because uh, in, in recent times, Shams essentially said that talks with the Knicks have stalled with Donovan Mitchell. And there's been no talking now for about approximately two weeks when he recorded it. And that conversations are continuing with Washington and Charlotte, which means it's time for a Donovan Mitchell podcast. Um, you know, we couldn't avoid it anymore. And I'm really interested to speak about this today. And it'd be good to get your view as a as a kind of a neutral. I, I don't know. Do you have a, a team who you lean towards that you particularly follow? Not really. It's, it's just any, any teams, really. I mean, there, there's always stuff going on and, with my role, it's just covering the league at large and 
getting the inside buzz from just agents, scouts, league executives, maybe not necessarily the Hornets exactly, but other teams that know people for with the Hornets. And you always have the GMs talking and whatnot. So there's always updates going on with everything, and, and including Donovan Mitchell this month. He's been a very popular man in NBA circles. He absolutely has. And also something I didn't even know before this podcast, which I was very excited to find out in our little pre-pod chatter, was that you used to be the basketball manager at Louisville, either at the time Donovan was there or around the same time. Is that right? Could you just tell people a little bit yeah, about so, that? So we were both at Louisville the same time, and I joined the basketball team the year after he left. But, I mean, we, we both lived in the same spot, and we both talked frequently with one another. So, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, I, I do know him better than a lot of NBA analysts and other insiders would say that they know him. And this is where I should have pretended that I knew that and that's why we brought you on. But I'm, I, can't even, I can't even claim that. You just dropped that little, uh, that little nugget on me as we joined. So, so this is great. I'm glad it's worked out this way. Peek behind the curtain. We've, we've fallen into a good thing. So I'm even more excited to talk to you now about Donovan Mitchell. Um, so to get us started, Brett, I guess from your sense of view, when you look across the NBA as a whole, we see stars asking out all the time. So we see teams linked with players all times. Do you think the kind of Charlotte being linked to Mitchell makes sense for the Hornets? Is that is that one that you look at and you can go, yeah, I see it? Or one of those that you go, mm, it, it doesn't really fit, seem to fit their timeline or it doesn't seem to fit where they are in terms of team building process? I think it's a little bit of both. And I think the reasoning for that is because of what's transpired this offseason with the Hornets. They, they didn't have a bad offseason per se from a signing standpoint in terms of going after guys in the draft and in free agency. But when you look at what happened this offseason, I mean, the Miles Bridges news overshadows the entire organization as a whole. So Miles Bridges, he may not even play not only another game in Charlotte, but in the NBA for the rest of his life. And if, if that's the case and and Miles Bridges is not back with the Hornets, that, that's a massive blow to this franchise because he was their most improved player last year. He took took over that number two role next to, to LaMelo Ball, and you really can't replicate those minutes with anybody you have on your roster. So if you're Mitch Kupchak and this front office, you're looking at this situation right now where you have an all-star in LaMelo Ball, but what you have around him is not good enough to compete in the Eastern Conference right now. If you still had Miles Bridges, maybe you could be a playoff team, but you, that's something that you could build around. Now you lose a key building block there, and you have to try to replace that very quickly. So I think that's kind of where you're seeing this interest in another high-level talent. And with such little of those talents being available, you only have, I, I guess it's three guys in Kyrie, Kevin Durant, and Donovan Mitchell, really, really that are the only three guys available on the trade market right now trading for Kevin Durant isn't something that's going to happen. Trading for Kyrie is not going to happen. So you look at the Donovan Mitchell situation, and that's really the only feasible outcome in terms of putting together a package for him that the Hornets could pursue. So I, I do think that maybe this isn't the best fit, but you do need to make a move for another high-level talent if you are going to be competitive in these in the Eastern Conference this upcoming year. And that's the thing is that what is competitive yeah, I, I like I. I don't think any Donovan Mitchell move necessarily gets you like. I wouldn't even say guaranteed you playoffs this year. I I think you probably have a very good chance to play in, but I I don't think he's considerably changing where you are as a team right now with what else is is on the roster around him. And but I I do agree with you in terms of I'm I'm often uh pretty 
cautious with you know trading a bevy of picks and young players for a star because it has to be the right star. You can't you know be trading that for your 32, 33 year old Russell Westbrook you know types um, who kind of don't really fit the timeline of the team. You can't be trading for people who've got a year left on the contract and after 18 months, you could just be left there trading away all your picks. And they, you know, what is the likelihood they're going to resign in Charlotte? Probably very, very low. But Donovan Mitchell does seem to fit kind of perfect uh, delta, or as you say, like his contract, he signed up for another four years, 135 million, and he's 25 years old. So he can kind of grow with this Hornets team and he's locked up long-term. They don't have to worry about him leaving and could be a, a kind of really nice complimentary piece uh, with Lamelle Ball. I, I think he would probably become this team's best player off the bat. Um, but as someone who's generally pretty cautious, the Donovan Mitchell rumors are the first time in a while where I've been like, it's kind of one of those guys that as a, someone who follows the Hornets closely, I think it could make more sense than most of the other people who you see rumored on the trade block in the, maybe the last two years. Right. And it, I mean, the whole thing for the Hornets, what it comes down to is what's the plan moving forward? Because obviously LaMelo Ball is that first time all-star on this team this past year. He's he's your go-to guy. You bring in a guy like Donovan Mitchell to be your new number one or your number two. I mean, him and LaMelo would be interchangeable. That wouldn't really be a problem. But what is the sense of direction for this organization? Because you would have to give up a ton of youth to get him. I mean, we saw what Utah got for Rudy Gobert. They're going to get at least that for Donovan Mitchell, if not more. So you're already talking about guys like P.J. Washington, maybe James Booknight, Kai Jones, possibly even Mark Williams, who they just drafted, and then at least four first-round draft picks. So, I mean, the market right there is already inflated. And at that point, is it really worth it for Charlotte, who they would have Gordon Hayward as their number three option, who's been injured these past few years? Terry Rozier, there's no promise that he would be around anymore because he would most likely need to be a matching contract that they send out in order to bring in Mitchell, who's going to make $30.3 million next season. So th- there's a lot of moving pieces here. Is it feasible? Yes, they, they can get it done. And I think that they do have a pretty strong package compared to other teams that are interested in Donovan Mitchell. But when you, when what you said before is does Donovan Mitchell coming to Charlotte really make them that much better of a team? Does it, does it put them in that championship category with other teams like the heat, the Celtics, the bucks, the 76ers in the East. And to me, it doesn't, I, I feel like that it puts them in the same conversation as a team like the Chicago bulls or the Toronto Raptors that they're really good teams and they could maybe win a playoff series. But I, th- I think that's really the cap that we're looking at where, I don't really view either of those teams heading into next year as a championship contender. And if they were to acquire Donovan Mitchell, and I'm speaking from a Charlotte Hornets perspective, if they were to acquire Mitchell, I I really don't see them getting anywhere other than maybe winning a a playoff series. So you used a key key phrase there, which is win a playoff series. And within the Hornets organization, I know most teams in the NBA are trying to win a championship, the Hornets have just been trying to win a playoff series, and that's been their goal, which both Jordan, Mitch Kupchak, even going back to when Rich Cho was GM in Charlotte, that has been the goal that this team has had, is to win a playoff series. And like they've always said, like, and we're going to worry about everything else later. Um, and I, I think like this year, maybe it wouldn't – I think that could be a challenge. But I do think going forward, having you know Mitchell, LaMelo locked in, 
probably for another at least two years, but two to four years, depending on, on Mitchell and Lamelo re-signing. I, I think that is one of the most dynamic future backcourts in the NBA. And I, I think they do complement each other pretty nicely. And, and maybe we can kind of move on to looking at, at how those two fit. I mean, the first thing you say about Donovan Mitchell is oh, he's a little undersized for a two, which is mainly his natural position. He played a lot of point guard and shooting guard last year. But you, you have to remember here, Melo is 6'8". So all of a sudden, if you're talking about like, well, you, you, you're being undersized, like Conley Mitchell was generally an undersized backcourt. But as soon as you put in Lamelo next to him, you're, you're generally like probably still bigger than most of the backcourts. Defensively, obviously, there is going to be a challenge there. Um I mean, this is something I'd be really interested to speak to you about at Louisville because in college, Donovan Mitchell was almost like a, a defensive first player. In that Louisville team, he was that's what he was known for coming out of the draft. He wanted to guard the other team's best player. That's how he was talking pre-draft. And then in the NBA, that's that's never really translated. But how like do you think the defensive issues would outweigh the offensive ceiling with the Mitchell Lamelo backcourt? It would really depend on what kind of system they're running offensively with Charlotte. I mean, you, you have another new head coach coming in and, and former head coach coming in and Steve Clifford, and he's always been a focused defensive coach. And, and we saw that in Orlando where they, they really dug deep defensively. They weren't the best defensive team, but they had some pretty, pretty good uh, defensive years there in Orlando. And I think that in Utah, another solid defensive team, I just think that there's been so much pressure put on Donovan Mitchell to be their lead scorer and really carry the weight offensively that his focus has been taken off the defense end. Because you look at where Utah has been the past few years, they've been a good team. I mean, they finished with the best record in the regular season a couple of seasons ago. But who on that team was really a big offensive threat outside of Donovan Mitchell? Bogdanovich would hit shots here and there. Mike Conley would hit shots here and there. Jordan Clarkson was a good six man, but they really didn't have a number two scoring option because Rudy Gobert, while he was an all-star, he really wasn't utilized outside of lobs to the rim. So Donovan Mitchell, they, they were counting on him to score around 26, 27, 28 points a game because if he didn't, they were going to wind up losing the game because they just simply did not have enough production and they relied too heavily on the three-point shot. So I, I think that all that pressure being put on him really put his focus on offense instead of, like you mentioned, coming coming into the draft where he was kind of a, a versatile two-way player. I think that if you move him to another team, where he has other options offensively, he'd have LaMelo Ball. Maybe Gordon Hayward stays healthy, and they have Gordon Hayward as a former all-star out on the wing. Maybe they bring in some veteran all-stars like Isaiah Thomas or Kemba Walker. Maybe they bring in one of those guys, and all of a sudden you got some versatile scores around Mitchell where he wouldn't have to be the only guy, and he can kind of revert back to being a two-way threat. So I, I definitely think that the criticism of his defense is is worthy because of what we've seen the last few years but I don't necessarily think that that's the narrative for him moving forward as a player in the NBA yeah on offense Donovan Mitchell since his sophomore year and to be honest even since his rookie year he has never had a usage percentage below 80 in the 89th percentile so he's been above 30 percent every every year from sophomore year onwards he was above 32 percent last year he was in the 100th percentile in terms of usage so Essentially, he is playing the lead role for Utah as much of a lead role than anyone in the NBA in the last four or five years. So there's definitely a, a physical load on him there. Uh, while saying that, the, the thing that does worry me is that normally players who 
kind of have the defensive potential, they do pick it up in the playoffs and you see that and you see the flashes and you go, oh, okay, when this guy wants to turn it on, he can. And that is my concern with Donovan. I've not seen that uptick in defensive, uh, you know, potential in the playoffs, which I would have hoped to have seen to give me a little bit more of like, oh, it's fine. It's in there if you can just be, you know, have a little bit uh, lower usage. You've seen some, you know, really high usage players, Nikola, Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, etc., who have managed to be positive defenders while also having an equally high usage. So I, I share your your kind of optimism, but there's also some concern there as well. There's always going to be that type of concern too with these kind of players. And I, I do believe though that a lot of it with the Utah Jazz is because of everything that's transpired over the past few years where you look at the COVID season and everything that happened with Rudy Gobert, it was just a downward spiral internally from that point on with Mitchell not seeing eye to eye with Gobert and then having the conflict internally with the medical team and his medical professionals with his ankle injury the following year in the playoffs. So I, I think that everything kind of stacks on on top of him. And, and I'm not using this as an excuse for maybe some bad defensive play. I mean, that, that's on him. He definitely needs to step that up and, and the numbers support that. But it is a lot and it could just be a lot of internal stuff and messes with a player's mentality of he just simply needs help. And when he doesn't have that help, the head goes down in the playoffs, the hands go on the knees and you kind of see where somebody gives up. So I think that Donovan Mitchell getting to a new team and a new setting could really elevate his career, not just from an offensive standpoint. I think that he would be a much better offensive player somewhere else other than Utah. But I think that we could see those changes in defense as well. Are the Hornets the right spot for him? I guess time will tell on that, but Charlotte will definitely have to give up a haul if they are going to want a player like Donovan Mitchell. They absolutely will. And we will be getting to the kind of looking a little bit at the trade machinations and, and what will and won't be in the deal later in the podcast. Um, but first, let's just have a little bit like how he would fit with Lamella Ball offensively. So we talked about the defense there. Um, I, you know, looking into some of these things, I think this could fit really well. I mean, firstly, Mitchell played a lot of point guard last year. Um, and I, I still think you would want Lamelo to be the lead ball handler. But Lamelo last year shot 42.5% on catch and shoot threes. He very much has some skills that kind of translate to being an off-ball weapon, being able to come off screens, being able to stay above the key. So, and, and like scoring in the half court against a set defense is kind of where Lamelo struggled. And that's where... We've seen Donovan Mitchell, you know, scoring at the rim at will. He was in the 81st percentile, finishing at the rim last year. That was something that this Hornets team as a whole struggled with, was, was once you're getting into the lane, being able to finish. So I think he he kind of absolutely fits with being able to actually be one of those guys who can put real rim pressure on, especially in the half court, get his own shot, pull up twos. Another thing this team really struggled with, that's sort of Gordon Hayward. They don't really have a, a consistent pull at mid-range shooter. So... Um, I think offensively, he can fit pretty well with Lamelo. And I know we talked about the defense before, but the other thing to keep in mind here is if he did come in the team, he'd be placing Terry Rozier. And it's not like you're, it's not like you're taking away PJ Tucker and adding Donovan Mitchell. Terry Rozier already is a pretty subpar defender. And I think actually Donovan Mitchell could be a better defender than Terry Rozier and actually help this Hornets defense, which is obviously one of the team's weak spots last year. Right. I mean, I mean, replacing Terry Rozier with Donovan Mitchell is definitely an upgrade. And they're, they're kind of the same model type of player where Terry Rozier 
good three-point shooter. He can get to the rim. He's an athletic guard. And, and it's kind of the same with Donovan Mitchell. So I think that fitting him with LaMelo Ball, it wouldn't be anything new for LaMelo. And I, I think that he would play just fine, especially like you mentioned with his ability to play off the ball and shoot from three-point range as well. That was one of the key things that people were talking about coming out of the draft for him. And he shocked everybody being a terrific three-point shooter so far early on in his career. So LaMelo checks off all the boxes. I feel like that you could really put him with any player in this league and he'd be successful. So with that said, you, you replace Terry with Donovan. I don't really think much changes offensively for the Hornets in terms of production. And Mitchell maybe is a little more athletic than Terry Rozier. So you, you kind of replace some of Miles Bridges' lost athleticism there running in transition. And maybe you can push the pace a little bit more. But offensively, I, I don't really see any limitations to that duo at all. And I will say, Hornets fans won't like hearing this, but the clock is ticking on the Melly Ball already. <laughs> I know he's going into his third season. And the most likely way this plays out is after his fourth year he will sign a max extension to stay in Charlotte. But I do not think you can assume that the Charlotte Hornets are a cursed franchise. And it would not it would not completely shock me that, that something would happen to LaMelo that he doesn't follow the normal path because he's a unique guy. And this Charlotte Hornets situation has some real potential after this pass off season with some of the, the things out of their control to, to head south quickly, especially with the strength in the rest of the Eastern Conference. And I do think... At some point soon, you're going to have to get into mode of, right, we need to surround the melee with some very good players or else he might start looking around. He might start to get unhappy. And you just don't know how many times players of Mitchell's caliber, uh, like we talked about before, his age, his contract, uh, his ability to fit with the mellow, how often they're going to come on the trade market. So it's all good being like, ah, oh, maybe next year or the year after. But it's just never a guarantee. And this is one of those situations where there doesn't seem to be a, a ton of buyers outside of maybe New York, uh, Washington and Charlotte. So they, they are in the mix here. I, I also wanted to read you a quote, um, which I, I don't know if you'll know about this, but I remembered while covering the draft that the, the Hornets were very closely rumored for Donovan Mitchell. And mm -hmm. I was doing some research to this podcast and I had a quote here from Jonathan Gavoni, which I found tracked back down from 2018, which I want to share with you. And Jonathan Cavoni said, post-draft, Charlotte, I had them projected to take Donovan Mitchell because I heard that Clifford, who then was also the coach of the Hornets, if you remember, because I heard that Clifford was on the table in the war room saying, quote, we need to draft Donovan Mitchell. And he was overruled on that, and they took Malik Monk instead. And then Zach Lowe also said later on a post-draft, Cliff was 100% trying to get them to take Donovan Mitchell. So I, I don't know if you know, but there's some history here with Donovan Mitchell and Charlotte and Donovan Mitchell and Steve Clifford, who is obviously now back as head coach in Charlotte. So, the, you know, some of these stars seem to be aligning a little bit in terms of this is an opportunity for, for Michael Jordan, for Steve Clifford to, to undo some of the mistakes of past drafts of the Malik Monk mistakes and to potentially get the guy who they did, I know, a lot of background research on when he was coming out of Louisville and very, very strongly considered. And if Malik Monk hadn't slipped on draft night, probably would have been a Charlotte Hornet from day one in the NBA anyway. 
Yeah, it's really interesting to talk about that. And I have nothing against Malik Monk. I think that he's turned himself into a really good young player, good three-point shooter. But the first mistake the Hornets made was they took a University of Kentucky player over a University of Louisville <laughs> player. And I think that the clear choice was Donovan Mitchell there. And I think that Clifford was right on that. And you, you see what kind of player Donovan Mitchell has turned into. And you saw that athletic potential early on throughout the pre-draft process and in individual workouts, you, you you could just hear some rumblings around the league of people really like this kid. They, they really liked his character. They really liked his demeanor and the fact that he didn't give up. And, and that's still true today. He has not given up on the Utah jazz. He has not requested a trade out of Utah. And, and he still believes that they can turn things around and really make this team a contender. So it, it's really up to Utah, whether or not they believe that and they want to keep Donovan around to be the face of their franchise as they rebuild for the next year or two, and maybe move a bunch of pieces around to acquire draft picks and then flip those draft picks for maybe another all-star too. kind of what the Portland trailblazers had to go through with Damian Lillard. They, they moved CJ McCollum and got a bunch of pieces. And then they went out, got Jeremy Grant and they re-signed Anthony Simon. So I, I think that the Utah jazz could be taking a book, or taking a page of the book of the Portland Trailblazers here and kind of building around Damian Lillard, insert Donovan Mitchell into that equation. So kind of going back to the Hornets, though, it's definitely interesting to talk about with Steve Clifford having so much interest in Donovan Mitchell. I'm sure that's kind of where these rumors of Charlotte's interest has come from, not only from what Gavoni reported back near the draft and what other people reported near the draft, but also because I'm sure that Mitch Kupchick and Steve Clifford, I've had these conversations already of, hey, I'm interested in Donovan Mitchell. I liked him during the draft. Let, let's take a look at this and let's inquire about him. But it, it, it everything goes back to the price tag that the Utah Jazz have on Donovan Mitchell right now. And if you ask me, the Hornets, the Wizards, the Knicks, you, you name it, I don't see any team in the league right now having exactly what Utah wants for Donovan Mitchell. Because I've heard that they want four really good players and six first-round draft picks for Donovan Mitchell. And and right now, I don't see any team in the league that's going to be able to offer that. You have the Knicks who can offer guys like Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin. Yeah, those are two good young players, but the Jazz don't want a player like Evan Fournier coming back to them. So, I mean, right there, it's going to be questionable unless the Knicks are willing to trade six, seven, eight first-round picks. And then you, you look at the Hornets, you got the first-round picks. You got young towns like Kai Jones, James Booknight. You could throw in P.J. Washington, who the Utah Jazz were interested in at the trade deadline last year. And then you'd have to have salary fillers like Mason Plumlee and Terry Rozier, those players that the Jazz are really going to be interested in. Maybe maybe they'd be interested in Rozier to replace Mitchell. But again, it's not that dazzling package that they got for Rudy Gobert. So I think when you get to this point in the offseason, you're going to either see the price come down or the team is just going to settle with what they have and, and kind of take this issue into the season. And especially if the player hasn't requested a trade, they can do so and, and kind of revisit talks near the trade deadline. So I think that's where we're at with the Utah Jazz. If, if I had to give my prediction of what I think is going to happen, I still think that given the Knicks' interest in Donovan Mitchell over the years and given the fact that Mitchell has mutual interest in the Knicks, I think that that's the most likely scenario if there is something to happen this offseason. But it wouldn't shock me in the least if Utah just moves forward with what they have right now. Interesting. And, and we're going to touch on more about this a little bit after the break. But let's take a break right there and let's just hear from our friends at DraftKings. Despite it being the depths of the NBA offseason, action never ends this summer at DraftKings Sportsbook. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. 
You can throw down on all the major action with baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with saving game parlays, spreads, money lines, and over-unders, and props, your betting options will feel endless. I just got back from LA where I saw the Dodgers, and they're rolling right now, so I firmly suggest you get some money on the Dodgers as soon as you can. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet of up to $1,000. That's promo code TBPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see the show notes for details. Okay, welcome back to the podcast. Um, Brett Siegel is joining me to talk about Donovan Mitchell trade talk. Um, Brett, before we get into kind of trade packages, I just wanted to speak to you a little bit about Donovan Mitchell, the person, because we obviously lot we talk about shooting percentages, usage, defense, and all this. But one of the things that I've heard, I remember hearing around the draft. You know, I know that his his dad was a professional baseball player. He grew up around professional sports, and I've also just heard that when people meet Donovan, like he has an an aura about him. He comes off uh, really authentic as a great leader, speaks really well. And as someone, like you said, you, you interacted with him, you know a lot of people around Donovan. Could you just maybe speak to, to kind of the type of person who Donovan is? Because what, a lot of Hornets fans this offseason pointing to a, a myriad of issues with, with off-court issues and uh, some behavior stuff for the team last year have pointed to this team needs a leader. And do, do you think Donovan Mitchell, if, if he were to eventually end up in Charlotte, do you think he would kind of give that that some of that leadership role that maybe Hornets fans have been looking for? One hundred percent. I think that the biggest thing that stood out to me when I first met Donovan was his smile. He has one of those smiles that is just so infectious, and it makes you smile, even though you have no idea what you're smiling about. Yeah, you know, he he's just such a an optimistic person, and the the biggest trait that from my time at Louisville that I really loved about Donovan and, and heard a lot about is that the dude's a gym rat and he's never satisfied with how he's playing or if he had a good session, he wants it to be great. If he had a great session, he wants to have an amazing session the next time around it or, or even back to back. He wants to redo it until it's a hundred percent. So I'll give him a lot of credit for that. And I I'm sure that a lot of people uh, within the jazz organization can even say that and, and can attest to that. I mean, the, the guy is 20, I think he's 24, 25, 25 years old, turning 26 in September. And he can easily be a leader for a team for the next decade. I, I could definitely see that. And he just has, like you mentioned, an aura that resonates with a lot of guys around him, whether they're veterans, young players. And I feel like that he can be a mentor for anybody in this league. So I, I definitely do think that, he could be a leader not only for the Hornets, but any other team in this league. And we've seen that to this point by him not requesting a trade from the Jazz. He, he wants to see things through. He's not one to give up on anything. And and that's kind of where we're at right now in the offseason. That's music to my ears. Because, again, another thing you want to tick off your, your list for me, if you're, if you're going in one of these all-in trades, which this would be for Donovan Mitchell, is... Yes, you're getting someone on the age timeline. Yes, you're getting someone who's going to make your team better, someone on a long-term contract. But you're also getting like a great person who's going to help uh, in better culture here. And and you know, I I remember hearing about these stories around draft. I, you know, without following that jazz situation too closely last year, I know despite him and Rudy Gobert eating lunch together, as Quinn Snyder said, 
Um, you know, things weren't always great there. And but but that's very reassuring to hear, I think, about Donovan Mitchell, the leader. Um, okay, so you've already talked a little bit about what Charlotte have to offer and what they could give. And I kind of go I, I went through beforehand and kind of went through everything which I think they can offer, which is essentially, I think, the 2023 Denver first round pick. They could offer a swap in 2024, and then they could offer essentially unprotected picks in 2026, um, a swap in 2027. Um, so that would be a total of, I think, three picks, two swaps or one swap, which you talked about them wanting, what was it, four picks? And did you say six young players in terms of what you, you heard that the Utah Jazz are wanting? Flip-flop. They want six first-round uh, picks and three yes. to four players. <laughs> okay. And, and when you say those three to four players, I'm presuming they are like young potential players rather than, than veterans. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing is to match Donovan Mitchell's contract, they're going to have to take on one of these veteran players from any team they make a trade with, whether it's an Evan Fournier, a Terry Rozier, a Mason Plumlee. It, one of those contracts are going to have to take on. But with that being said, they want everything else to be guys that they can build the future of their organization with, especially if they're going to be giving up Donovan Mitchell, who's the face cornerstone of their franchise. That's a full-blown rebuild. You're going to want to bring in key guys that either have all-star potential or guys that can be your number two, three, four options for years to come. Yeah. And I think that's the big challenge with the Hornets young players. They've got a lot of them, right? They've got, uh, I think eight players or nine, nine players on first round, on first round rookies, not first round rookie scale contracts. They've got a lot of young players. The problem is, and I did a podcast of the day where I was trying to rank the young players after Lamelo ball and PJ Washington, it's just a lot of guys who are like interesting, but have proven absolutely nothing and have, I think, probably quite limited trade value in a in a star style trade. Kai Jones, James Booknight, Nick Richards, JT Thor, Bryce McGowan's, Mark Williams. And then the other side of this is they've just traded for Walker Kessler uh, in the, from Minnesota in the Rudy Gobert trade. And then there's part of the reason that maybe they liked Walker Kessler better than Mark Williams, and they probably like him better than Nick Richards and Kai Jones. So if that's the case, then half the young guys who are bigs on the Hornets roster that they might not even be interested in. So that that's a little bit obviously of a challenge there. Um, we talked about Terry's ear earlier. I mean, this would be good to get your thoughts on. Could you view Terry's ear as the kind of guy that Utah could trade for with then the idea that they could maybe flip him down the road again for, for more picks? Or do you see him on that kind of extended contract? Would you see him as like a, a neutral asset or a negative asset where they wouldn't be able to get any real trade value for him in a in maybe a subsequent trade, I think it's a little bit of both. I, I think that I, I also throw in a third scenario. I think that the Jazz could maybe keep him and have him be one of the leaders of their rebuild for the next few years, and then potentially flip him down the road because he is under contract for I believe four more years. And you, you won't necessarily have contending teams interested in that contract. But come trade deadline, you see Terry Rozier on the block, twenty million. I mean, it's not a terrible terrible contract by any means and you you can see the production that terry rogier has given the charlotte hornets over the years so I, I definitely think that there would be interest there in terms of all the younger guys i think that that's also a scenario like maybe they don't want a mason Plumley, maybe they don't want a kai jones type player or nick richards but maybe there's other teams around the league that would be interested to give up a first round pick for them and then that's another asset that the jazz can add so i, I think that those are all scenarios 
that when you're a front office dealing with these situations that you have to consider. And I think that those are all different options that have been written down on, on their giant whiteboard in their office. So it's definitely an interesting situation in terms of the Hornets draft picks that they can trade. They're pretty much open. They, They have draft picks every single year that they can deal 2024 though. Most likely they wouldn't be trading a swap simply because the jazz don't own their, their 2024 first round pick that's currently in the hands of the Oklahoma city thunder due to a trade, I believe it was the Derek Favors trade back in 2021. So the Thunder own that pick. And uh, unless it's a top 10 pick, the Jazz won't get it back. So you'd be looking at mm-hmm. unprotected in 2023, 2025, 2027, and then maybe a top five protected, top 10 prote- protected in 2029. But I mean, th- that's a lot of assets for the Hornets to give up, especially if they're also giving up guys like Kai Jones, James Booknight, and, and potentially other younger guys like PJ Washington. Because if you go out and get Donovan Mitchell, you have him, LaMelo, Gordon Hayward. You still have Kelly Oubre under contract for another year. But what's your bench and your future looking like? You still got Mark Williams, Cody Martin, and Jalen McDaniels. But that's about it. The, the rest of your roster is going to be filled out by minimum contract type guys that are left over in free agency. Maybe you bring back Jeremy Lamb. And like we mentioned earlier, Kemba Walker and Isaiah Thomas. But, I mean, you'd be giving up a lot of your future. And I don't really know if that's necessarily something that Charlotte would like to do right now. I agree with you. At the same time, I, I kind of feel that at some point here in the next two years, before Lamelo becomes of that extension, I think Charlotte at some point just have to take that swing. And I, I think the, the goal is to win a playoff series and trying to get the stars. It's the old Daryl Morey tactic, isn't it? You get the stars and, and figure out the rest later. I, I don't know if Charlotte's front office necessarily has the the kind of the smarts and the, the cap flexibility and knowledge to, to be able to pull off quite some of the moves that Daryl's done over time. But I, I, this is one that just, I think, really kind of makes sense to me. And I, I'm normally one of these people is very cautious about throwing away first round picks, especially when you're the Charlotte Hornets and you've got the, the history track record of what they have. Uh, just, just to what you mentioned on Terror's ear, Trey, going back to Utah. The other thing to mention here is Danny Ainge is now calling the shots at Utah. Danny Ainge was the person who drafted the Terrors here in Boston. And Charlotte also have a strong track record doing trade deals with Danny Ainge. The Terrors here signing trade. They had the Gordon Hayward signing trade uh, as well. So there's a there's an existing relationship there between Kupchak and Ainge. You know, obviously longstanding gems in the league. Again, it's just another one of these things, little things that are part of this Mitchell deal that, that you think this, these things just begin to line up a little bit um correct so- and and there's a like you said there's a lot that goes into it the, the terry rogier thing is definitely a interesting part to talk about with his relationship with danny ainge and i, I know charlotte hornets fans probably aren't going to want to hear this but i do think that this upcoming season if they don't make a move for somebody like donovan mitchell i think that it's going to kind of be a little bit of a step back and they're going to evaluate which young guys that they really want to keep around because like you mentioned they are on the clock in terms of making a decision. You can't just have LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, and a bunch of young guys and expect this team to turn into a championship contender. You have to go out and make yourself a championship contender, especially in today's NBA. So you look at where they are as a franchise and the money that they usually like to spend. This is a team that's really never gone into the tax line whatsoever. They, they don't like to spend a lot. They don't want to get into that tax line. And I really don't think that they will get into that tax line until they know that they can be a championship contending team. 
With that said, where are we at in terms of timeline? Well, Kelly Oubre Jr. has one more year left on his contract, and then his time in Charlotte will most likely be up. You have Gordon Hayward, who's under contract through the 2023-24 season, and then his contract will be up, and who knows what's going to end up with him. Maybe they'll trade him at the trade deadline to open up a bunch of cap space, but looking ahead to next offseason, they're on the books right now for $78.9 million. So you open up right there with about $40 million in cap space. And then looking ahead in two years, assuming they give LaMelo Ball a max contract extension, you're going to have probably around 40 to $50 million to operate in free agency. So I think that this is a situation where Charlotte is really going to look ahead and try to figure out who's going to be on the table over the next two years in free agency, not necessarily trade talks, but in free agency that they can go get. And then when they have that, those two stars in LaMelo Ball and whoever they bring in, maybe then that's when you move Terry Rozier's contract when he has a year or two left with some of these young guys and draft picks to acquire that third all-star. Just with the uh, acquiring of Mitchell, one thing to keep in mind from what I understand is if they were to acquire Mitchell, they would still have pretty good cap space going forward. So I know we talked earlier about how they would, you know, wouldn't have much to fill out the roster, but they would have cap space going into next offseason and the offseason after that. So there, there could be hope there that you've got the Mitchell, you've got the Mellow. You can then try and go big game hunting either on the trade market, you know, absorbing someone, um, maybe someone who's kind of overpaid, but is of a star level ability. You could absorb that if you've already got those two guys in place. Or you could go out and try and chase someone in free agency. Uh, you, you talked about a little bit of a step back, and I, I completely agree. I think most, you know, the Vegas over-under suggests there'll be a step back. Most Hornets fans, I think, will be the case. I actually think a lot for if, if the Hornets just said this year, with everything going on with Miles Bridges, who knows what's going on with that? Let's just figure out which of our young guys are any good. You know, which of our Kai Jones, Mark Williams, Nick Richards, which of those guys are, are worth investing in? Uh, Jalen McDaniels, JT Thor, what should we do with them? James Bucknight, Bryce McGowan's, where do they fit into this? If they just said this year we're going to play some young guys, essentially take like a year off, you could get a really good potentially pick in a very, very stacked 23-23 draft. I think most fans would actually be okay with that and accept that, and I think that would be a, a smart way to go. The problem is Mitch Kupchak has said on the record he is expecting this team to make a jump this upcoming season. Now, Maybe things have changed with the Miles Bridges situation, but um, that that's the, what he has been consistent saying throughout at Summer League uh, after when after they announced Steve Clifford that he expects his team to make a jump. And that's where, the, like you say, the, the step back that everyone's kind of expecting doesn't seem to mesh with the vision of the team. And that's always concerning when you feel that the team inside the team bubble are maybe in a slightly different world to, to everyone else on the outside. It's just really unfortunate of what transpired this offseason with Miles Bridges. And and we're talking simply from an on-the-court perspective here. He's a great player on the floor, and we can't deny that. We saw that last season. We're not talking about his character at all or what happened off the court because no one is going to condone that kind of stuff whatsoever. But on the court, you had your number two option in Miles Bridges. You had your number one in LaMelo Ball this offseason would have been the best time to then go out and get Donovan Mitchell because you would have LaMelo, Donovan, Miles Bridges. You'd still have Gordon Hayward under contract. You'd be able to move guys like P.J. Washington, Terry Rozier, like we mentioned, to get Donovan, and you'd have your trio that you can then take that next step like Kupchak has suggested. Now that you take that number two option away, you've already taken a step back this offseason because you have to now replace that number two option. So where we're at with the Hornets is if you rewound time, go back three years, 
that's where we're at now with the Hornets because they lost everything that happened in between with what what transpired with Miles Bridges. And, and now you just have to kind of put back the pieces and try to get back on the right path to success because you only have the number one option in LaMelo. You don't have a number two right now. You don't know if you have a number three with Gordon Hayward until he can prove that he's healthy. Hmm. Well, that's a very depressing thought for us to to kind of semi to to bring the the podcast to a close. Um, just just before we get out of here, I want to get your thoughts on on where you kind of rank Charlotte in the 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 chasing pack for Donovan Mitchell. So we talked about Washington and New York. From what I understand, New York have eight first round picks they can trade, and they got guys like Quentin Grimes, Obi Toppin, RJ Barrett, Grimes and Barrett probably. I don't know, like, would you say Quentin Grimes got more trade value or less than P.J. Washington? That's interesting. Um, I mean, they're, they're two completely different positions, so they it are. is hard With to With different stages them. of the contracts as well, because P.J. is about right. to be paid. Quentin is under uh, his rookie scale for a couple of years. But, but yeah, I would it, say that in, one, isn't it? in terms of P.J. Washington being, I believe he's entering the final year of his contract, I, I would say that Quentin Grimes – maybe has a little bit more value there because you don't have to pay him right away. But I mean, PJ Washington could easily take that next step this season. If he stays in Charlotte and become one of their best options. I mean, he's most likely going to start now that miles bridges is gone. And we, we saw some of that potential with PJ Washington. So maybe his trade value goes up after this year and you maybe move him in a sign and trade or something, or, the, or they keep him around as one of their top tier options. So uh, it, it's really, a balancing scale that doesn't balance there when you're comparing Quentin Grimes and PJ Washington, where Charlotte ranks amongst the rest of the teams. Uh, I, I guess it's really three teams that we've mentioned in the Knicks wizards and Hornets. I put them right in the middle. I, I would still say that the Knicks overall, because of the draft hall that they can send out, that's really what Utah's looking for. So I would rank them one. And plus it, it to me, I think Obi Toppin is a really good trade chip. If Utah is able to get that, and you look at Charlotte, I, I definitely like the young assets that they have to offer. I think Kai Jones with the right opportunities could be a really good player in this league. He, he's shown a, a good amount of potential in the G League and Summer League. I think Mark Williams is going to be a really good player for Charlotte if they keep him around. P.J. Washington, we, we talked about him. And James Booknight is, is a big unknown, a lengthy guard, shooting guard. He can play off the ball, on the ball, good rebounding guard. And he can do a lot of little things. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of role he holds in Charlotte this upcoming season if he stays with the Hornets. So I, I would rank them two. And then obviously you have the Wizards coming in at three. And I, I just think that's because they'll be hesitant to give up as much as Utah would want. Washington doesn't really have a lot of draft assets. They'd have to trade Kyle Kuzma. They'd have to give up Rui Hachimura, Denny Abdia, maybe Corey Kisper. I, I think that's too much for them personally to give up. And I, I don't see Tommy Shepard and the Wizards doing that, especially when they went out and got Kristaps Porzingis to pair up Bradley Beal, and they're still on the hunt for that other star. Maybe Donovan Mitchell would be a good fit. I just don't think that they'd be willing to give up those assets to get him. Great. So but before we get out of here, some, I'm going to put you in the spot some quick fire questions. So first up, do you think Donovan Mitchell is traded before the season starts? Yes or no? Yes, I would lean 60, 60% yes, 40% no. And then what percentage chances in terms of teams would you give that you think he'll end up? So like, would it be like 60% Knicks, 10% Hornets, etc.? Let's say... Huh, I'd, I'd go probably 60% Knicks and then... 
30% Hornets, 10% Wizards, just between those three teams. But there are other teams as well that could get in the mix. Of course. Yeah. Well, this is this was super interesting, Brett. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, I was excited to talk, talk about Donovan Mitchell. I mean, I've been away a little bit. So this kind of news broke while I was away on, on my vacation. And I've only kind of really dived into the detail behind it while prepping for this. And I was already kind of like open-minded to it. And I have to say, this this hasn't got me any less excited. I'm I'm still all in on Donovan Mitchell. And that's very unlike me. I'm normally very much like a stay the course, draft and develop. But there's something about Donovan Mitchell. He's been the jewel of the eye of the Hornets for quite, like we said, all the way back to that 2018 draft. And I'm really interested to see if any of this kind of ramps up or if the Hornets are just being used as, as leverage with New York in, in trade discussions. Because I agree with you. I think they have the best package that they can offer. But if for whatever reason something stalls out there and Danny Ainge wants to move Donovan Mitchell before the season starts to, to try and solidify that top five pick, I think Charlotte could be could be right there as well. So thanks so much for coming on. Um, I guess you just want to give one final plug in case anyone missed the start of where people can find your work. Yeah, sure. It's Fast Break on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. Got you covered on everything from who tweeted what in the league to all the inside information going on, especially with all this Donovan Mitchell trade talk, the Kyrie Irving stuff, Kevin Durant stuff with the Brooklyn Nets. I have it all covered, and we'll dive deeper into it later this month in August as you, you just never know what happens in the NBA. I mean, it, it's a dead period right now, and a lot of people are on vacation, but it could be tomorrow. It could be in two months. It could be in two years where one of these guys gets traded. So you, you just never know. And it's always 24 seven. There's always stuff to talk about in the NBA, even in the midst of August, as we look ahead to training camp. Awesome. Well, Brett, I owe you one. Um, and yeah, we'll catch up again soon. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you, James. Thank you.